Welcome in. This is the Fundamental Analysis Show on Chit Chat Money. My name is Brett Schaefer, and I'm here as always with Ryan Henderson, and we're talking another small cap stock. First pet stock I think we've ever done, the no. pet industry, uh, Trupanion. We, no, this is not first pet stock. This is Zoidus, Zetus. Oh, right, right, right. That one. They're, they're very large. Um, so, you know, maybe that's Trupanion's uh, next path, or maybe Zoidus will acquire them someday, but do you want to talk about what Trupanion is and what their, uh, the history of the stock and the company? Yeah. Trupanion says on their 10K, and I have this in quotes here, our mission is to help the pets we all love provide the best veterinary care. Basically, Trupanion provides medical insurance for cats and dogs throughout the US, Canada, and Puerto Rico. They operate in two business segments. So their subscription business, which is marketed for consumers and then their other business segment they literally said other business segment um, which revenues generated by writing policies on behalf of third parties the other segment also includes uh, companies or organizations who choose to offer pet coverage to their employees i don't think that's a huge market i don't think there's tons of employers that do that but uh, yeah, anecdotally whatever. no uh, but yeah. who knows um, important to note though, true panion is not wellness coverage. It's accident and illness coverage. So it doesn't cover your average. Like if you take your dog into the vet once a year or something, it doesn't cover that. It covers like critical incidents. So it's like, you know, run over by a car or something like that. That is where true panion insurance would help you out. Um, history though, true panion is based in Seattle and it was founded by their current CEO, Daryl Rawlings in 1999. It was originally founded in Canada and was originally known as vet insurance, which is very, a very simple name. Maybe go back to that. Um, according to Wikipedia, true panion was the first pet insurance company to build technology, enabling clients to avoid reimbursements with the company paying veterinary bills directly. Interesting. Um, it seems like they've sort of had the same mission this whole time. So it's been around for around 20 years. They IPO'd in July of 2014. Yeah, I always hesitate with companies that were founded during the tech bubble, but you know, they've, uh, I guess they didn't IPO right away and they've stayed around um, and IPO'd in 2014. So I guess it's not that big of a deal, but I do, that does make me cautious when a company is founded in 1999. Yeah, but yeah, I guess maybe they were just, I mean, it's been around for 20 years and it's not really a dot-com company. So I wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't look too much into it. Yeah. All right. Valuation, market cap, $905 million. Ticker is T-U-R, no, T-R-U-P. So TRUP uh, price is $28.38. And that is of recording on May 15th, 2020, which is a little before uh, the recording, you know, when we're going to release this. So just make a note, uh, EV to sales is 2.04 and they are not profitable margin adjusted price to sales of 49.55 right around average. And that is coming from decent sales growth, but very low gross margins, which Ryan will get into on the earnings shares outstanding have gone from 27 to 34 million since 2015 which isn't bad at all it looks like they're solid on the stock-based compensation expense 75 million dollars in working capital is also pretty good especially for a market cap of 905 million dollars net debt is negative 700 or 73 million dollars which is also good for a company again with a market cap below a billion dollars and the balance sheet looked pretty simple uh, nothing too concerning a little bit of long-term debt, a good amount of cash. They're basically break-even on cash flow and net income, so really no 
uh, liquidity concerns, and they have extremely stable revenues. Uh, so, yeah, nothing right. there really uh, out of the ordinary. Yeah, and I'll talk a little bit about the conference call before I get into earnings. On the conference call, they mentioned that revenue has increased. There has been revenue growth every single quarter for, I think it was all of their existence. So they have very stable existing customers. And then also it doesn't really matter what the market conditions are like. It doesn't matter if there's like ebbs and flows, like the 2008 crisis, people are still taking care of their pets. It, uh, the CEO mentioned it was sort of like being snowed in. If your pet really has a critical emergency, you'll trek through the snow to get them to the vet is essentially their their thing when they're comparing it to coronavirus. So um, yeah, so that's kind of the stability of the business. I'll get into the earnings though. First quarter 2020 revenue was 111.3 million up 28% year over year. Total enrolled pets, which is basically their, their customer count, uh, was 687,435. That's up 25% year over year. Subscription revenue made up 80% of the total top line. And for reference, so sub subscription revenues increased 21% year over year. So growing a little slower than their other segments, but in 2017, so two years ago, sub uh, subscription revenues made up 90% of the top line. So that other business segments is growing a lot faster. Net loss was 1.1 million for the quarter versus a net loss of 1.3 million for uh, from last year. Operating cash flow is 2.9 million for the quarter and free cash flow was 1.4 million. Both of those are about half of the cash flow uh, numbers from last year. If you're thinking like, wow, this sounds like a low margin business when you're looking at the cash flow and the net numbers, it is. It has 16% overall gross margins and even their subscriptions are like 18% at best, I believe. And then the uh, other segments is even lower. So it is a low margin business. Their average revenue per pet ARPP was 96 cents a month up 5% year over year. Can we just, can we stop acting like the pets are the customers? Yeah, the uh, they're treating a lot of the numbers and they treat a lot of their metrics like it's a digital business. I thought I was reading like Spotify's earnings metric. I was like, these aren't MAUs. These are just animals, guys. All right, let's let's relax a little bit here. Also, it's like, yes, the you are insuring the animal, but the animal isn't signing up. Like it is cust- It's human customers. Um, well, way, you don't know that. I, I guess not. Uh, they have around 27 million in cash and cash equivalents and uh, roughly 76 million in short-term investments. Uh, since 2010, they have a 98.5% average monthly retention rate. So it is sticky. It seems like uh, I, I assume there's sort of like that avid pet group that really wants to make sure that there's nothing wrong with their pets ever. And that is sort of their customers.
All right, next up, Digging Trenches, which is the moat rating. What do you think for Trupanion? Hmm. Well, they've been around for 20 years for a reason. So I, I, if veterinary insurance or pet insurance wasn't didn't have an audience, they wouldn't still be around. So um, I guess that gives them some sort of reason to stick around. But I did read on the conference call, someone asked about the Zoidus or Zetus company is transitioning to also doing illness and uh, accident coverage as well. They used to do like just wellness coverage, but they're also transitioning and moving into that as well. So there could be some competitors from a bigger company like Zoidus or Zetus. Yeah, I'd give them like a two. It seems like within their customers, with the vets and the pet owners, it seems strong, high retention rate, and it's kind of tough to build that up from the ground level. It's sort of like a network effect, but then you have to take into account they are under a billion dollars in market cap and revenue, you know, not that strong compared to someone like Zoidus who can kind of come in and what are they, like a $50 billion company? They could easily spend a lot to uh, catch up with them. So, yeah, I mean, it seems strong, but I, I would not say the moat is something I would be concerned with for this company. There's some other concerns, I think, but moat's not one of them. All right, further reading, what are you looking at? Okay, first one here is what is the addressable market? I'm, it's tough. You know, you're not supposed to typically worry about addressable market. You're supposed to worry about the business, usually. Um, and sometimes companies can build addressable markets uh, where they're not really there before. But I'm really concerned looking at this business. I know some people spend a lot of money on their pets, but there's like my family, there's a cat um, and it went to the, it's been to the vet like one time in 15 years. Yeah. I mean, some people, you know, and it's been fine. Like, I don't know, like a lot of pets. um, Yeah. They're, I don't know how many people need this, uh, but maybe there's some numbers that might back that up. Yeah, TAM is definitely a viable concern. Um, my further reading, I'm looking at the typical vet vet visit costs. So how often does a pet have an accident so severe that it costs more than five years worth of a subscription cost? Yeah. It, I, okay, I, I'm hesitant, but it, they talked about this ratio of lucky to unlucky uh, pets. And they said, we, we essentially want the subscriptions from our lucky pets to cover the uh, to cover the costs of our unlucky pets. I have a hard time believing that it, the subscription costs are worth it for most pets. So uh, I guess that is probably the hardest sell for customers. So I'm curious what the actual vet costs are. I don't know. I don't pay you the vet costs. So um, kind of tough for me to say, but uh, future growth yeah, opportunities. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. Future growth opportunity. I mean, it was really tough for me to come up with one, which I think is not a good sign typically, although maybe it's because I just researched this this morning, but possibly, you know, horizontally integrating across the entire vet industry, not like owning veterinarians or anything like that, but using the loyal users and the vets to go from just accidents to overall pet coverage, which is a lot larger, I would assume. Um, And that just seems like a simple way. You know, a lot of strong businesses have done the thing where I guess it's I'm tough coming up with with an example here but you know where you start out with a specific niche you really hone in on that and then you spread out from there because you can't just go after the entire market um, right away yeah I'm 
I'm thinking, and so I think Zetis or whatever that company is, I think they offer like the primary uh, insurance in wellness. And so it might be a little hard for uh, True Panion to compete in that. Um, but my future growth opportunity is automating claims. In 2019, 32.2% of the total claims were made through True Panion's automated software. In 2018, that number was 4.5%. So massive growth there. And in their shareholder letter, they said having automated claims provides benefits across the organization. I would assume that has to do with just less overall operational costs. Um, so obviously, if they can automate that process, good for them, much better, much easier, less operational costs. They said they're hoping to get that number to 50% by next year. So just watch out for that number if you're a shareholder. Yeah, that could definitely increase operating margins. I mean, just intuitively, that's what it seems like it would do. All right, the last segment is, or second to last segment, highlights and lowlights. Um, they seem like the leader in their niche space, which is the accidents and illness for pets. Um, they have under a million in total pet count sign onto their plans. And if you're looking at this optimistically, there's almost 184 million household dogs and cats in the US. So there's a massive amount of actual pets that could be signed on if pet insurance became something that was like mandatory or uh, common. Um, so massive addressable market if you think about it like that. And that's the opportunistic outlook at it. There's also some network effects in the industry that would take over at a certain point. So, um, and the way in which I believe they get most of their customers through the typical wellness checkup. So you go in for your typical wellness checkup. There's a concern here. Like mm, you might want to watch out for this bump on your dog's hip or whatever. Okay. So if this is a big accident, if we have to have surgery to get it to remove something like that, you should have true panion coverage. So they kind of get it through the typical wellness checkups. So the more that there's interest in insurance as a whole, the more they benefit. Um, low lights though, is they're incredibly low margin and, the, and they're going to become more low margin since this other business segments is starting to take up more of the top line, which is lower margin in and of itself. So not, not great on the margin side. They're getting some competing offerings as well, but the overall competition or the pressure comes from just outright not paying for it. According to the North American Pet Health Insurance Association, only around 2.4 million pets are actually insured. And that's out of 184 million, whatever, household dogs and cats. That's a very low amount. And so I'm experiencing this right now. My dog just got sick. My dad took him into the vet. And I was like, you know, how much is it going to cost? And he said, well, probably around three, three to 500. That's like, let's say we take him in for one accident and it's like that much. That's only yeah. a year's worth of subscription costs. So Yeah, yeah. And so, if you look at that, 2.4 million um, is only about four times True Panion's market right now. Right. So, yeah, I mean, the concern is there. The low lights, I mean, I have the same one. Not a large market opportunity. And my other low light is margins are super low. It doesn't give a lot of room for profitability growth. Earnings per share growth seems like the biggest concern here. Uh, my highlights, though, you can definitely see that there is a moat. Um, when someone signs on, they have the high retention rate, and then they have that very stable revenue, which, you know, people that do spend money on their pets are going to continue to do that. Um, it's just the question of how many people are going to spend that much. Yeah, and 
I just think people more often than not are willing to risk paying this out of pocket. Yep. All right. Well, uh, what's your rating for the stock? It's going to be low. It's going to be very low uh, simply because I could see this as a business. So it's very stable. And if they were trading below what you would identify as intrinsic value or at a low PE ratio when they actually get to scale, um, because they're right around break even right now. It could be a business that you'd invest in, say, um, I guess the only time I've ever done this is like Target or something like that. Something like that where you're trying to do a short-term thing, but this is not something I'd want to own for a decade plus. I'm not wanting to pay up for this at all. So I'd go like four or five. I mean, with the EV to sales of two with these margin numbers, it's not great. Um, And yes, it is stable but the growth doesn't seem like it's really, I really struggle with the growth continuing for the next decade. Yeah. Um, I, I'd agree with that. There is some stability in the business. There are existing customers. You also think about the existing customers when they have a pet die or something like that, just get, I assume they get new pets. Like these sure. are the yeah. avid pet people um, that are insuring their pets. So um, I guess that, uh, that offers a lot of stability for the business, but overall, is this going in my portfolio? No, not maybe it'd be a one-time value play at the right price. Just like you said, but I, I can't remember a time that I've invested in a company for a one-time value play. So, um, this is going to be low for me. I'm going to go 4.8. Yeah. Right around the same And They're not even in that range where like, I think they'd have to fall like 40, 50% for it to hit like, you yeah. know, quote unquote value territory. And they, it, the big concern, if you're looking at it at a different perspective, where can they reinvest where they can get high returns on their capital for like the next decade seems very uh, low, at least to us, but maybe there's something we're missing here. That's going to do it for this episode though. Thank you guys for listening. Email us show suggestions at chit chat money podcast at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at chit chat money. Remember, we are not financial advisors. Anything we say on this show is not formal advice or recommendation. Thank you for listening. We'll see you guys next time.